following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, March 28, 2021, on the basis of Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. It wasn't until he was already 36 years old that Dick Hoyt decided to enter his first race. But in the four decades that followed, he not only entered, but successfully completed 1,130 of them. That includes 176 5Ks, 219 10Ks, 97 half marathons, 72 full marathons, 257 triathlons, including six of the full Ironman distance. And oh, by the way, in 1992, he biked slash ran all the way across the country from one coast to the other, 3,735 miles in just 45 days. Earlier in the month of March, Dick Hoyt passed away at the age of 80. He died something of a legend in the world of endurance sports. He's been featured on billboards all across the country. He actually has a, a statue in his honor that is positioned near the very start of the course of the Boston Marathon. He's been inducted into the Ironman Hall of Fame, and in 2013, he even won an ESPY award, which is sort of like an Emmy, except it's for athletes. Dick Hoyt's story has been an inspiration for countless people all over the world. Stories have a way of doing that to us, don't they? When all the reason and all the logic in the world, when all of the facts and all of the data in the world still falls short, it's often a good story that can capture our hearts and our imaginations. It's often a good story that can inspire us to take action. And so maybe here at the end of the season of the church year known as Lent, a good story is exactly what we need. Why? Well, because for the past five weeks, we've been talking about how our Christian faith really requires of us the very same thing that made Dick Hoyt so legendary. It requires endurance. For the past five weeks, we have seen how in our lives as Christians, we come across these moments, these points in time where something that we would very much love to just hold on to and cling to in life, where that something needs to be let go of, where Jesus asks us to let it fall to the ground and bury it as if dead. And these moments in time, these, these times to die to ourselves that we've been talking about throughout Lent are painful and they are difficult. And as much as the world around us would tell us to avoid or escape anything that might be painful or difficult in our lives, God tells us, in fact, he tells us three times in these short verses, God tells us to do just the opposite. He tells us to take those moments of pain and difficulty and endure them. So a good story that gives us a little bit of inspiration, yeah, we could probably all use some of that right about now, but but we could probably all use even a little bit more. I don't know about you, but as we've been talking about these times to die to ourselves and enduring the pain that goes along with them, it's sort of been a sobering reminder to me of just how often in my life endurance 
is in very short supply. And so as we reach the end of this season known as Lent, as we begin Holy Week today, yes, there is a story that we need to hear. There is a story that we're going to hear. And yes, that story is an inspirational one. But thankfully, it is much more than that. You see, there are lots of stories that can give us inspiration, but there's just one story that can give us what we need even when all the inspiration in the world still isn't enough. As we begin Holy Week today, these verses from the book of Hebrews are going to show us that we are about to hear a story that provides more than just inspiration. We're going to get to that story that we are about to hear this week, but before we do, the writer wants us to remember the stories that his readers have just heard, the stories that he's just told. In these verses, the writer describes and and pictures our Christian life as if it's a race. And as we go along in that race, there are going to be times where something is standing in our way or trying to get us to slow down, some obstacle or opposition that we might encounter, some sin that is just grabbing for our attention, really anything that causes us to want to stop or even just slow down, either because we are far too comfortable with where we are or that pressing on seems to be far too difficult. The writer tells us that as we run that race, we should take those sins, those obstacles, those temptations, that opposition, and we should throw it all aside. We should cast it off. We should press on. We should endure. And as he tells us to do that very difficult thing, he reminds us that there are some stories that will inspire us as we do. These are the stories that he just got finished telling in the previous chapter. Stories about people like Noah, for example. Noah, who spent a great part of his life building this giant ship to save himself, his family, and all kinds of animals when God sent the flood. Stories like that of Abraham, for example. Abraham, who answered when God called him to leave behind his home and go to a strange and distant land. Stories like that of Moses, for example, who willingly gave up life in a palace for life as public enemy number one in Egypt. The writer tells us that all of these stories really form a great cloud of witnesses that envelops us and surrounds us as we run. All of these stories say to us exactly the same thing. All of these runners are are like fans in the stands who are all chanting in perfect unison. Press on. Stay the course. Keep going. It's worth it. Endure. So yes, running this race Enduring is very difficult, but countless runners have endured ahead of us and their stories can inspire us as we run our race. You know, even in a world where so often we are led to believe that the entire goal of life is to maximize pleasure and to pursue fulfillment and simultaneously that the entire goal of life is to minimize pain, to avoid it or escape it at all costs and as quickly as possible, even where that's kind of the constant message, it still remains the case that those aren't the stories that we tell. Those aren't the stories that inspire us. Maybe a story like that of Dick Hoyt in the world of endurance sports doesn't do all that much for you. What about the story of a man named Eric Talley? Eric Talley was a police officer in Boulder, Colorado. And when the call first came in on Monday that there was an active shooter, a gunman in the local supermarket, Eric Talley headed straight for the danger rather than going in the opposite direction. 
maybe know that Eric Talley ended up laying down his life and in the process saving who knows how many others. Perhaps it also caught your attention this week as it caught mine that, that March 25th every year, this year it was, it was Thursday, March 25th is National Medal of Honor Day, an entire day set aside to honor people who have received that prestigious award for their bravery, for their valor, their courage, their endurance during time of war. In fact, did you know that at one point in time, the powers that be decided that far too many medals of honor were being handed out to people? And so in 1917, 911 people had their medals of honor taken away from them because it was determined that they had not done enough to earn it. We want to keep the standard for that honor that high. Do you know, in fact, it's also illegal for you to put on, to wear for yourself a medal of honor that belongs to somebody else. It is stories of bravery and courage, of valor, determination, and endurance. Those are the stories we tell. Those are the stories that inspire us. And in fact, the same is true when it comes to our Christian faith. You know what I've never heard somebody say? I've never heard somebody say, you know who I really admire as a Christian? That person that I know who used to go to church all the time, but then they got busy with things like kids and sports, and school, and work, and all of that just kind of became more important, and so now they don't go at all. I really look up to them. You know what else I've never heard someone say? I've never heard someone say, you know who I really admire as a Christian? That, that family member that I have, who was always the nicest guy, faithful, devoted husband and father, but then about the time he turned 40, 45, it seemed that he kind of just got bored with always doing the right thing, always walking the straight and narrow. And so from that point forward, he started pursuing the pleasures of sin. He's my hero. You know, whatever, you know what else I've never heard anyone say? You know that group of Christians that I really admire? At one point, they were so dedicated to their church and its ministry. They were so enthusiastic about sharing the gospel in their community. But then when economic times got rough, they decided to just play it safe and, and keep all of their resources to themselves. And when it was no longer fashionable to be Christian in our world, they decided to keep their faith as private as they possibly could. Those are not the stories that anybody tells. Those are not the stories that inspire us. In fact, last week we, we heard a story as we watched a, a movie about one of the schools in our church body's ministerial training system. One thing they didn't mention in that movie is that the very first physical building on the very first physical piece of property that was part of that ministerial training system was actually put up. It was built in the year 1865. You history buffs know right away that that is the very year that the Civil War finally came to an end. You think that maybe, just maybe, it would have been a little bit easier for them, a little bit more convenient to just wait a little bit? Like, let's just wait and see until things settle down. Let's wait and see until the country rebounds a little bit before taking this aggressive, bold step forward. But no, they pressed on. They endured. Now, I don't know the name of a single person who was involved in that story, but I do know I'd love to talk with them. I'd love to hear what they have to say. I'd love to hear what it is like. Yes, running our race, enduring all of this pain and challenge is difficult, but countless runners have endured ahead of us and their stories can inspire us 
as we run our race too. But that maybe causes a question to pop into your head that very frequently pops into mine. That if there are all of these stories, and if all of these stories are in fact so inspiring, then as I look at my life, how come so often I conclude that the race I am running isn't very inspired? That very often it's so easy to get comfortable with exactly where we are, even when the very thing that is making us so comfortable is sin. That very often it is so easy that at the first sign of pain, the first sign of difficulty or challenge, the first possibility that following Jesus might bring us any amount of shame, it is so easy to stay put rather than press on. Don't get me wrong, inspirational stories are good. But as we look at our lives, I think you'd agree that we need something more than just inspiration. And that's why I didn't actually tell you the one thing about the story of Dick Hoyt that makes it so inspiring. It's not just the fact that he did all of those races and successfully completed all of those events. No, the reason the story of Dick Hoyt is so inspiring to countless people all over the world is because there is one person for whom that story is more than just an inspiration. You see, the reality is that for every event that he entered and completed, for every mile that he swam, for every mile that he biked, for every mile that he ran, he was either pushing or pulling or dragging or carrying his son. Rick Hoyt was born a spastic paraplegic who also had cerebral palsy. When he was born, the doctors actually advised his mom and dad to put him into some sort of home because there was just no way that he could possibly have any sort of even remotely normal or productive life. Well, they decided to, to raise him in their home. When Rick was 15 years old, he decided that he very much wanted to participate in a race, a benefit race that was taking place at his school. And so his father, Dick, agreed that he would push his son in the wheelchair for this race. And when the race got over, Rick said to his father, Dad, when you're pushing me in my wheelchair, it feels like I'm not paralyzed anymore. That was the moment that Dick Hoyt decided to live for from that point forward. The joy of being able to provide that feeling for his son is what made him do every single thing that he did from that point forward. Now, out of all the people in all the world who find the story of Dick Hoyt to be an inspiring one, do you think that his son, Rick, is included in that number? Well, of course he is. And yet I think it would be just as easy for us to see that Rick needed something much more than inspiration from his dad. No matter how inspired Rick might have ever been by what his dad was doing, there was just no way Rick himself was ever going to be able to complete any sort of race on his own. And so yes, inspirational stories can be good, and there are lots of them for us as Christians, but the writer to the Hebrews wants us to know that there's one more important story that we need to hear. Here's what he says. As we run our race, he encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So yes, as we run, our ears are filled with the chants of all of these runners who have gone before us, telling us to stay the course and keep going. But the writer wants to make sure that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, 
He is the object of our faith. And notice what the writer calls him. He is both the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, it's not a situation where Jesus kind of starts the race out and then after we've watched him for a while and and gotten the hang of it and been super inspired to follow where he's going, then we can kind of take it from there to the finish line. Nor is it the case where Jesus lets us go first to endure for as long as we possibly can and then if we still fall short, if we still get tired before the finish line, don't worry, he'll carry us the rest of the way. No, the writer wants us to know that Jesus is the one that we rely on that we depend on, that we trust in, in our race from the very first step all the way to the finish line. That's the story that we need to hear. And friends, that's the story that we are going to hear this Holy Week. As we stand here at the starting line of Holy Week, you might say, the story that we are going to hear is the story of Jesus' endurance, the story of the race that he ran for us. You see, Jesus knew full well as he looked out at a a world full of people that when it came to having any hope whatsoever of any of those people making their way to God, of reaching that finish line that we all want to get to, Jesus knew full well that all of us are completely paralyzed. That things like sin and guilt and Satan and death, these aren't just things that slow us down a little bit. These aren't just things that make our legs feel heavy. These aren't just little hurdles that we have to jump over. These are things that grab on with their iron grip to our ankles and make it impossible for us to take a single step forward. And yet for the joy that was set before him, for the opportunity of taking all of those paralyzed people and setting them free, of having all of their shackles fall to the ground, for that joy Jesus endured. For that joy, Jesus ran his race. He ran it all the way to the cross, enduring all of its pain, enduring all of its shame. Jesus ran his race all the way to the finish line, proving it, as the writer says, by doing what you do when you're done running a race. You sit down. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of God as proof that his race is complete. Friends, that's the story that we're going to hear this Holy Week. That's the story we need to hear most. And not just to hear in passing, but to really stop, to really slow down our otherwise hectically paced lives and to ponder it, to mull it over, to let it really sink in deep. That's the story that we need to be in our minds and in our hearts at all times because That story of Jesus' race is not just a story for him. It's also a story for us. And it's a story about us. That's why this this story of Jesus and his endurance provides to us much more than inspiration. It provides, first of all, substitution. What Jesus did, the race that he ran, counts as if it is our own. In fact, when we come to faith in Jesus, it's as if the Holy Spirit takes the racing bib that is on Jesus the one that has the winner and the winning time attached to it, he takes it off of Jesus, the one that has his name, his number, and puts it on us as if we were the ones who had run that race. The story of Jesus provides substitution. It also provides completion. As we look back at our own races and we see all of the sins that have in fact slowed us down at various points, we know that all of those sins have been paid for. 
As we think about whatever opposition might still lie ahead, we know that all of that opposition has been defeated. And finally, the story of Jesus provides us with anticipation. As we think about the day when we will finally reach that finish line, we don't have to wonder or worry for one second, "Uh uh-oh, what place did I come in? Was my time fast enough? Did I win or lose this race? No, because Jesus ran this race for us, that victory is already won. That story isn't just Jesus' story, it is in fact our story too. And so yes, while there are countless runners who have endured ahead of us, and yes, those stories can be so inspirational, but there was one runner who did one better, one runner who did the thing that we needed most. There is one runner who endured his race for us. So yes, this story that we're about to hear this coming week, it does provide more than inspiration. But the writer wraps things up by making sure that we remember it provides that too. Here's what he says. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I realize that what I said before, telling you to to stop and slow down and ponder the story of Jesus kind of sounds counterintuitive when we're picturing our lives as if it's this race. But that's exactly what the writer tells us. He tells us to consider this story, to really think about it, to really let it sink in, something you have to stop and slow down to do. But when we do that, he says, we will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, yes, the story of Jesus provides substitution and completion and anticipation, but yes, it also provides inspiration too. So no matter how worn, no matter how weary you might be feeling. Yes, stop, slow down, ponder that story, and then watch as you pick up the pace. Amen.